Back to the moon. That's our destination. Joining us from NASA and the Johnson Space Center in Houston is CLIPS project manager, Chris Colbert. Hi, Chris. Good morning, everybody. Well, good morning. This is an exciting day there for you and the, and the team with the Commercial Lunar Payload Services Initiative, CLIPS. You have a landing on the agenda. Tell us more. Sure. So today is a very big day. It'll be the first time, um, you know, if we, if we land successfully, the first time the United States is landing anything on the moon since the early 70s. Um, but this time we're not doing it with a huge NASA program. We're doing it through a commercial initiative relying upon a small company, Intuitive Machines in this case, to actually deliver our payloads to the moon. So we built the hardware, the, 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 the instruments to help us learn more about the moon, but they were responsible for both building the lander, running the mission ops, designing the mission, and buying a launch vehicle. So this is very different for NASA. This is a different approach. We're trying to see what happens when we rely entirely upon commercial partners to get us to the moon. And the, the collaboration is with a company called Intuitive Machines. Uh, they're based in Houston. And uh, SpaceX, I guess, provided the rocketry involved here. Correct. So, yes. so they, yeah, they launched on top of a SpaceX vehicle, but they built the lander. And it was actually their, their contract with SpaceX. We weren't involved in that part. Very interesting. So tell us more about the, this mission and, and the payload that NASA has designed here, what sure. it's going to do. So... <clears throat> Um, first off, we also have to remember it's very, you know, getting to the moon is hard. Spaceflight in general is difficult. Um, so these early missions, this was our, these are, this is amongst our first two or three missions to try and get to the moon. We have a relatively small number of payloads that are relatively simple and, and by our standards, relatively low cost. We're accepting a fair amount of risk because these missions might not succeed, but we hope to learn more about the moon. The Artemis program is very interested in taking humans back to the moon before the end of the decade. Um, and there's a lot we need to learn to help prepare us for the human endeavors. Um, in particular, none of the Apollo missions went to the South Pole. And the South Pole is where we intend to take humans. So this will be a mission that gives us, gathers data and gives us information about the South Pole environment. So the instruments that we've put onto this lander uh, help us te help teach us more about what it's like at the moon and the environment They prepare us for eventual human missions to the moon. That's interesting. And is there a reason why the South Pole is the is the focus? Sure. So <clears throat> the moon is a very dry and arid environment. Anytime you send humans somewhere, though, there are resources they need to survive long term. Um, water being a really good starting place for that discussion. Um, at the moon, there is some evidence there could be water buried in the soil um, at the poles. In the mid latitudes of the equator on the moon, the, the sun is the constant and, and you pretty much you know, drive it out through sun exposure. But at the poles, you have some different environments where there is at least some evidence that water might be able to exist in permanently shadowed areas or other regions of the moon that don't see quite as much sun. So going to the poles, and in particular the South Pole is favorable because of the uh, both lighting conditions and the um, communications opportunities. Um, you might be able to find water, which would be an important building block for long-term human capabilities. And... There are more such missions planned as, as well, if the, especially if this goes well. Yes. So part of what we are trying to do under Eclipse um, was to set up a framework where a lot of missions going to occur in a relatively short span of time. We haven't landed yet. Today will be our first opportunity. But we've already purchased eight more deliveries to the moon past this one. So we've got over 40 instruments in development or actively being integrated onto landers. Over the next three or four years, we hope to land at least two or three times a year 
to try and help us build up a story about what it's like, not just at the South Pole, but across the moon. So we learn more about the moon and other things. And, and, and these are much lower cost than our traditional NASA missions. So some of them might fail, but we still think in the long run, we'll get enough data to help us prepare for human missions. And the human missions scheduled for when? when what, what, is, what is our hope? Before the end of the decade, we should have landings on the moon. Um, we just recently announced some changes to that schedule um, just about a month or so ago. But, but we're making steady progress. Artemis II will be our next shot, and it's at least a couple of years away right now. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. People my age who certainly remember well the, uh, the Apollo missions wonder, or some of us might wonder, why is this hard? I mean, we did this 50 years ago, and now we've got all this new technology. <laughs> it should be like driving to the grocery. At least that's the way we imagined it would be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm your age, too. So I remember actually, I, you know, I watched Apollo 11 when I was a kid. Right. Um, part of it, is, for one thing, uh, the Apollo program had resources just, you know, no, we've, there is no corollary to the amount of resources available in the Apollo program anymore. Um, so they spent a whole lot of money and they were able to essentially brute force some things. The technology wasn't as good. Our technology today is much better. So the missions we're paying for now are in the range of $100 million compared to the many billions of dollars we spent back in the 60s. So part of it is you're just lowering the cost of going to the moon and, you know, you just don't spend as many resources so that there are some challenges just associated with resources. But we must never forget, spaceflight in general is still very difficult. The smallest mistakes can do a mission. And so we, should mention, we should mention to the audience that you've been at the Johnson Space Center, I understand, for more than 30 years. Not 50 years, but, but oh yeah. more than 30. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I started right before STS-2 back in 1981. So I've been around for quite a while. This is my third lunar, lunar program. This one has a pretty good chance of actually landing on the moon, though. Excellent. So where can people go to watch what's going on today and what kind of view will we have? So, um, yeah, obviously we don't have cameras on the moon, so you're not going to see a live pictures of the landing. Uh, but Intuitive Machines and NASA will be doing a broadcast. Uh, look for NASA Plus or NASA.gov slash NASA TV. Both will be good places to be able to watch the broadcast we are going to put out. And you'll get a lot of information about the landing and you'll You'll have uh, intuitive machines talking about the progress as they get close to it. We won't be able to see live video, uh, but you'll get a pretty good feel for what's going on and how it gets to the moon and, uh, and hopefully with a successful landing. Exciting. And once once the landing takes place, step us through what happens then, what the process so, is going to be. In many ways, it, it, remember, that's a very hard step, and they've been doing a lot of work just to get to this point. But at that point, the NASA portion of the mission starts. So we'll go through the process once they've landed, they've, they're able to communicate back to Earth, show us that they, they successfully touched down, that they're able to turn, you know, get, they're still getting power, they can communicate to Earth. There's a series of checkouts in the lander first to prove that the lander is safe and, and operating properly. Then they'll go through the process of starting to turn the various NASA instruments on. There's a, we hope to be on the moon for as long as six or seven days till it gets too dark for power anymore. We don't plan to survive the night. That's a big step. We're not gonna go that in the first mission. Um, we have a series of activities where the instruments take turns gathering their data um, and generating that. We'll look at that data. We may well have some updates to which instruments gather what types of data based on what we learned on the moon. And then after that, we'll take all that information and do some processing and try and figure out what we learned about the moon, and that'll help guide our future instruments. Well, it's going to be a, a long day, but hopefully a fun day for, for you there. Congratulations on, on all that you and the team are, are doing. And Chris Colbert, thanks for spending time with us. Thank you very much. I appreciate it.